What troubles you? What sits heavy on your heart? What is it that draws energy out of your being? The other day I was driving around running some errands, allowing my mind to wander as I weaved in and out of traffic. I'm pretty sure traffic is almost back to its pre-pandemic levels, by the way. I came upon this truck in front of me with a cross in one window and this bumper sticker on the other side, screaming in my face. God bless our troops, especially our snipers. I'm tired. I'm so very, very tired. I could go on a long diatribe about this bumper sticker and the hundreds like it that I've seen over the past decade, a a growing comfortability with war and weapons of war by Christians who claim to love the Prince of Peace, who fight for the rights of a tool used to kill and only offer up thoughts and prayers as daily a new mass shooting in a school like Knoxville or in a spa or an office building, or a mall, or a home, a a growing love of empire and a nationalistic fervor that claim to follow the suffering servant, the Jesus who was executed by the hands of the state and empire, a people who grow more comfortable with white supremacy and policies that erect walls instead of welcoming the stranger, who perform the most intricate of mental gymnastics to protect their position, yet stand at odds with the simple command to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm tired. I'm so very, very tired. And the more I see this junk theology of the empire proclaimed by those who claim to follow Jesus, it gets harder and harder to see this kingdom of God, to to even really believe that this kingdom of God that Jesus spoke of and proclaimed has come near. It's really true. As video of what happened to Army Lieutenant Nazario see the light of day, as more and more unarmed black men like Dante Wright are gunned down by police, stopped for having an air freshener hanging from his rearview mirror. As I read the laments and the grief embodied in my friends of color, grief laid upon grief, compounded and carried within their bodies, a grief so visceral that I myself will never know as they grieve with yet another mother who has lost her son at the hands of the police, as they grieve with his one-year-old son who will now grow up without a father. The evil that we wrap in a robe of Christian nationalism and baptize in white supremacy, yet are unable to proclaim with our lips that black lives matter, that our Asian siblings should not have to walk around in fear, That our lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual siblings too should have nothing to fear. But that's not the reality we inhabit. Because each have been singled out and targeted by the white church in various ways, means, and forms throughout the centuries. And perhaps even more so today all under this banner of holiness, disregarding the second greatest command given by Jesus to love our neighbor as ourselves. We have completely bastardized love, twisting it out of shape, leaving it completely unrecognizable. 
And I know it's hard to believe in the church right now. And believe me, I struggle with this just as much as you do. I, I see what other pastors say or don't say. I see the white church's silence. I see the white church's complicity. I see the white church's active engagement in maintaining the systems and structures of empire and Christian nationalism, all for a taste of power. And weeks like this really don't help. It's hard to see and believe that the moral arc of the universe truly does bend towards justice. This season is known as Easter Tide. I actually really love that phrase and the imagery that it invokes, that, that of a shifting tide of hope and possibility of love and the kingdom of God coming in to, to flood the world with the implications of resurrection, to create new life, to bring new possibilities and bring change into this world. Easter tide is a season that is supposed to be filled with amazement and excitement of wonder and joy as our hope in new creation is renewed once again. That the kingdom of God has come here. It is here right now. But this year, after the year we've had and the reality we still inhabit as a people in a country, I have to admit, that I'm not identifying with Easter hope in the same way as I have in the past. As I look around and as I listen, as I pay attention to what is happening all around us, it, it feels more like the tide is rolling back out to sea. It doesn't feel as if resurrection is washing over us, but rather as if it's flowing away. I'm actually really identifying well with the tension of Easter tide that we see in our passage today. I'm identifying with the uncertainty and the sorrow of the disciples in this moment. They had just come back together after Jesus' death to sit Shiva, the, the Jewish custom of mourning. They came to this room to mourn together, to grieve together, to listen to the pain of what had happened, to process through what their own experiences had been, to share stories of Jesus to laugh and cry and eat and celebrate and rage, to walk through the complexity of all their emotions at the state of their world. I can imagine that they were talking about what was next, of returning to their previous lives. So Matthew, are you going to start collecting taxes again? They'd ask. I think I'm going to go ask my father's forgiveness and rejoin the family fishing business. Will we ever see each other again? Let's get together next Passover right here in this room. They'd all offer up these solutions and suggestions. They'd long forgotten about Mary's declaration that Jesus had risen, that, that Peter had seen the empty tomb and the burial linens laid in a pile, but it was just all so much to believe. I live in this tension. I long for the resurrection to be true, that the kingdom of God has come near, that the tide is shifting and turning, that evil is being vanquished and love will reign supreme. But, but my eyes, they tell me a different story. And so I live in this tension of the already but not yet, of, of longing to believe but struggling to see. Do you? Do you long to believe but struggle to see? Do you live in this tension of resurrection hope, where the resurrection has happened, but the tide hasn't yet fully washed ashore? I think the disciples knew this tension all too well as they sat together in that upper room, grieving and mourning and talking with just a spark of hope that maybe, just maybe, the resurrection was true, but their eyes were just telling them it's such a different story. 
I can imagine that their hearts were troubled like ours are today, sitting in the grief of their own actions, their own contributions to Jesus' death, vacillating between joy and grief, excitement and sorrow. This is my Easter tide at the moment. It feels more like a trickle than a tide, a babbling brook instead of a tsunami. And it's even more difficult in this season of separation. We aren't together to hold the tension for each other. We, we each sit in the upper room alone, flooded and overwhelmed by the stories of evil that litter our timeline. It's hard in this space, this season, this keen awareness of the reality we live in and inhabit. We simply look to see the world made right, to see the hope of Christ made visible and present around us, that, that these things we've been talking about, of the kingdom of God being made manifest here and now, could be true in our day and in our time, and that we might see the tide shift and change, that we might experience the hope of resurrection now, that we might see love manifest in us and that racism and death and destruction and chaos and sickness and pain would all be vanquished. I drove around for a bit, a meaningless wandering through the city after seeing that bumper sticker and wondered, where is Jesus in this? And perhaps it was my reflection on this passage, my reading it over and over and over in an attempt to see, but, but I heard the words, peace be with you. And like the disciples, I too was startled and troubled. Jesus stood before his disciples in that tension-laden room and asked, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? He asks us the same question, you and I. Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? It's hard to believe in the resurrection when there's so much pain. It's hard to believe in the resurrection when, when the cries for justice are seemingly not being heard. It's hard to believe in the resurrection when over and over and over the same story of suffering plays on repeat. Peace be with you. It's, it's hard to believe in the resurrection when love seems absent from one another. It's, it's hard to believe in the resurrection when joy drains from my heart. It's hard to believe in the resurrection when there's an absence of peace. It's hard to believe in the resurrection when white moderates weaponize patience. Peace be with you. It's hard to believe in the resurrection when kindness is replaced by selfishness, when generosity is replaced by greed, when gentleness is mocked as effeminate, when faithfulness is seen as gullible and naive. Peace be with you. All this pain, all this suffering, all this brokenness, this is the part of Eastertide that I have found myself sitting in, a longing for it to be changed and transformed. How about you? Stanley Hauerwas has been an important voice for me over the years. And, and recently, I stumbled across this thought of his that, that saddled up next to my heart. Pain is the plow that tears up our hearts to make us open to the truth. If it were not for suffering, we would never recognize our guilt, our godlessness, and the crying injustice of the human condition. I feel this wrestle. I feel this pain, the plow upon the contours of my heart. And yet I wonder, am, am I being opened up to the truth in the process? 
Jesus blesses us with peace amidst our suffering. He lets us know that he is there with us in our pain and immediately invites us in to touch him, to see him, to know that he is truly present, not simply as an apparition or a ghost. But here's what I love about what he does in this moment with the disciples. He asks them for something to eat. Sure, it's proof that he really is flesh and blood, but it's more than that. It's presence. I'm going to sit with you, share a meal with you. I'm going to stay here with you in this pain. I'm situating myself with you for the entirety of this meal. And there is this space as he sits and talks. He opens their minds to new possibilities. He helps them to see what there is to see, to actually see resurrection at work in front of them. And he does the same with us. He invites us to join him in a meal, to sit with him for as long as it takes as he opens our minds to the possibilities of what is to come. As I sit with the weight of the past week, the past couple of months, the past year, as I see the injustices that are perpetrated all around me and justified in the name of Jesus, I know that I'm being called to something different. You are being called to something different. Together, we are being called to embody the resurrection all around us, to to show this corner of our world who Jesus is. The disciples became his witnesses. They became the people that were sent out to reveal the truth of the resurrection, that change had come. And you and I are called to carry on that task, to embody the resurrection wherever we go and with whomever we are with. You see, I struggle with the resurrection when I look around, when I focus in on the evil that is being perpetrated and multiplied on the daily. But when I join together with you all and with you all to embody the resurrection, I see it. Now, I see it coming to life, and I believe once again. And I've seen it as well. I, I've seen it every week in our Sunday circle, the unbelievable conversations of change and transformation that are being had together, conversations of action being taken to sit with our friends and neighbors and peace and love, those who are lonely and grief-stricken, and yet who do not know the love and peace of Christ. I've seen you continue this beautiful work at Safe Harbor, even when it gets harder and the weeks drone on and on. I've seen you continue this work online as you contend and point to the need for justice. I've seen you continue this work through our Justice Deposits Initiative, working to find equitable ways to use the financial resources we have as a community. And everywhere I look in our community, I see the resurrection. You see, when we are faced with doubts, when we struggle to see Jesus amidst the pain, he opens our eyes and our minds to the work that is in front of us. As together we reveal the resurrection all around us. C.S. Lewis once wrote, I believe that God really has dived down into the bottom of creation and has come up bringing the whole redeemed nature on his shoulders. The miracles that have already happened are, of course, as scripture so often says, the first fruits of that cosmic summer, which is presently coming on. Christ has risen, and so we shall rise. To be sure, it feels wintry enough still, but often in the very early spring, it feels like that. 2,000 years ago, only a day or two by this scale, a man really ought to say, the resurrection happened 2,000 years ago in the same spirit in which he says, I saw a crocus yesterday. The resurrection happened and is happening. 
if we step outside of ourselves and together reveal the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control of the kingdom, embodied through the fruit of the Spirit, resurrection has come. Resurrection is coming. And resurrection can be seen by all of us together when we put our hand to the plow and push forward. Peace be with you.